Hi, this is Amanda Vollmer, and you are watching the Blue Coyote Podcast. We're here with Dr. Amanda Vollmer. Welcome. Um, of nat- doctor of naturopathic medicine, right? Well, that's my, I have a doctorate, and uh, I'm not licensed by the, the um, licensing body here in Ontario. I walked okay. away from that a long time ago. <laughs> they won't let you actually speak. Uh, so there was a choice that had to be made, whether you want to speak truth or you want to be um, in contract with um, agendas, essentially. Okay. So that's something I was curious about. Um, do you want to take mm-hmm. us through that story a little bit and then some of what you actually do now? So how, how did that go for you? Yeah, well, my uh, original path in life was uh, towards uh, visual arts and the care, natural care of animals. And then I decided uh, I wanted to be a veterinarian. So I went to the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine after my four degree, uh, four year degree out west in Alberta. So I have a Bachelor of Science in Agricultural Biotechnology, and that's a precursor to going to the four year med school program. Uh, and when I was in med school, I started to see a very specific uh, and concerning agenda to remove a lot of our natural approaches to, to health. Uh, I was very vocal and political, which got me blacklisted even in my first year. Um, and I was quite naive back then as to, you know, my assumption was that if you're a nature doctor, you care about humanity as a whole or mankind as a whole and um and that's the top priority but there were other agendas afoot um so when it came when I graduated in 2008 um and so there's graduation and that's one thing you get your degree but then there's a whole licensing procedure that's another whole uh, entity is involved in that uh structure so um they didn't seem to want <laughs> me <laughs> at that point uh, because I was I was on to what was happening and and uh, one of the things I was more concerned with uh, well there are two big things one was the uh, prescription of drugs so uh, uh, making NDs uh, prescribed drugs which was the whole point of going to naturopathic college was my understanding was to get our patients off of poisonous, suppressive, toxic drugs. Um, so that was, that was a problem, it was a red flag. And then the other red flag uh, was the NPN number system in Canada here, uh, similar to Deshaies in the States, which is a control of our natural remedies, uh, what we can and can't make, blend and do. Um, and uh, of course, the, the state having the final word on all of those things, which I vehemently um, was absolutely disgusted at and concerned with, uh, especially with the Codex Elementarius protocol coming out of the EU. Um, They were trying to sort of get in line with that. Um, So that was back then. So uh, I'm not allowed to actually claim titles and all these sorts of things. They have their rules, um, which is fine with me. I I know the training and what I did. Um, And when I got out, I began to uh, practice and assist people. I just was limited in my scope, unfortunately, even though I did training in IV therapy. Um, I also trained in applied kinesiology with Dr. David Leaf. Um, You know, I did uh, a lot of uh, traveling to learn homeopathy. 
Ayurvedic medicine, all kinds of different modalities. Um, and naturopaths are trained in chiropractic, in massage techniques, in um, some emergency medicine and even surgery um, and uh, counseling and, and a lot of different areas. And, and many people don't know about that. So that's all the same medical training as a, as a medical doctor. In the first two years, we learn pretty much a similar uh, level. And then we branch off into our specialties and focuses after that. Um, and then I could just continue to help people. Then I moved, I got pregnant and I moved out of the city, started to become more self-sufficient, how to grow food, how to live more so off grid, you know, how to burn wood for fuel and that sort of thing. Um, and then I began Yum Naturals uh, by basically making all natural uh, skincare as well as uh, tinctures and other tea blends. Um, because really, when I had a baby, I couldn't find things that weren't greenwashed uh, to put on my child. And I wanted only pure everything. And then that was about 10 years ago. And I've been I've been creating blends and, and, um, and this sort of thing ever since. Um, and then about uh, four years ago or so, I stumbled back upon DMSO, dimethyl sulfoxide, and I was very fascinated about that. I started to speak openly about it, and then I wrote a book on that particular topic, and uh, I started to do my blends or add into my blending uh, dimethyl sulfoxide, which uh, nobody in the upper echelons of the controlled <laughs> world like that because uh, they don't like anything that competes with their suppressive poisons. So I've gone through lots of different um, suppressions and attacks from doing that, but I continue to uh, promote freedom and truth and our own sovereignty apart from this corrupted system. And um, I speak out a lot about um, holistic uh, principles and how to empower yourself to, to learn enough about the body and how to treat it naturally so you don't need to go and attend into those corporate entities, uh, which put us in harm's way. Right. So when, when you're going through that, you know, speaking of the big, um, those overlords of the whole, of the whole system, did you, when, or, or what was it? So you, you see the corruption in the medical field and did that open your eyes to other, other facets of society? And you, you know, you see the corruption in, in medicine, you know, but was there did, did you look at the world, let's say governments in a, in a different way after that experience and kind of like, a, was it like a domino effect of, a, yeah. of an awakening? Yeah, my awakening was a little bit different. I know a lot of people uh, become aware and awake through uh, like a personal health crisis, for example, um, you know, being let down by the doctors and the specialists and, and uh, then they come into holistic medicine, that sort of thing. Mine was a bit different. Um, when I was really young, I was very clairvoyant. And um, so I saw different aspects of this place um, as a child. And so I knew I wasn't alone. And I knew that this was like a school, like earth school um, mm -hmm. here for growth and lessons and so forth. And, um, and then when I was in uh, university, I started to get wind through Buckminster Fuller and reading his information of the you know the land versus the sea the different types of law and the different ways in which we are governed uh and who who's really what's really happened i got sort of wind that something wasn't quite right uh and that be, being a seeker of knowledge and, and an avid reader i just kept 
diving down one rabbit hole after another. I never really stopped seeking. And that was just my, my nature and my personality to do that. Um, and then um, from there, yes, through the, the school system, I realized that it's um, the government agencies and these sorts of um, entities were, had a plan. They, they were working um, toward a goal. Um, and then I started to read about the, the UN agenda. Uh, I read about that in, at the end of university, um, Agenda 21 document. And, um, and I started to, I was, I was, you know, in university, they, they clock you left. They tried to make you into environmentalists and protesters and um, this sort of uh, ideologies they start to embed. So I had a bit of that, you know, where I was like working for Greenpeace for at one point, I was really hardcore vegan, um, you know, and, and that I realized was um, basically them engendering us into a specific direction. But I took a lot from that, I took a lot of lessons from that. Um, and, and then when I was traveling, I really saw the world differently as we do when we travel. <laughs> um, and uh, that there was so much more that we needed to, to learn about this place. So I came into natural medicine because I just knew that the world was like always provided for us. It provided medicine right out of the ground. Uh, I wanted to be a holistic veterinarian. Um, and I really loved homeopathy very early on as well. So that's an energy type of medicine. So I was already sort of uh, awake to a lot of, of that. But then I had a Kundalini awakening experience in 2000. And that opened my eyes even further to what, what is this place and why am I here and what's my mission here? Uh, what are, what are our, our bigger purposes to, to even existing? Uh, it was always very existential in my thinking and just, it just kept growing from, from there really. Yeah, that's, um, <clears throat> that was a big one for me. I'm coming to understand where we are. Um, I talk about flat earth a lot on here. But I, okay, so I want to get in, you know, of course, get into medicine, um, just because of everything that's happening now, the importance of that. Um, but I, I have to ask, um, because I also, you mentioned um, some clairvoyancy, and um, I wouldn't call myself a clairvoyant, but I definitely, uh, supernatural experience was also a big catalyst for me. So what, what do you mean by that? Is that, um, is that a gift that you've that carried with you through all of this? Well, I believe that um, we we had uh, these skill sets, and that they were they were we were uh, reduced. We used mm -hmm. to be bigger and brighter than we are now. Um, and when I was little, when I was young, I could see um, things that other people couldn't see. So I could see other beings. I would have conversations with them. Um, I could see the ghost realm uh, yeah. quite well. Um, I knew that there were dark um, entities or things that weren't quite, or more scary, you know, parts to that. Um, I knew about the little creatures and, and the little creatures that tend to hang around plants. So I, that was when I was really young and really open in my, in my mind. And then as, as happens, you grow and, uh, and, I had, you know, I wasn't, uh, my parents weren't awake to, to the vaccine fraud. So I had a lot of that. I had a lot of health problems from that. Um, and that dulled me considerably, um, during my teen years. And, uh, and then later on, um, 
even past that, I started to realize my dreams were very um, prolific and uh, detailed. And I began to focus on my dreams uh, much more because I was interested. It was a curiosity for me. I studied a bit of Jung's work. I studied some dream work. Um, I was very attracted when I got into uh, naturopathic college. Um, uh, Dr. Souten was a, a dream work interpreter and he connected homeopathic remedies and the physical disease state of the body with the dreams that people presented with. And he developed a modality based around it. And I studied that modality because it was absolutely fascinating that you could diagnose someone by, um, you know, their relaying of their dreams to you with a proper uh, filter um, as a diagnostic practitioner. So that was really, um, you know, eye-opening for me. And then when I had my, my Kundalini awakening experience, that that was really the big one uh, where I could see and more so other senses started to develop specifically the um, my olfactory and my um, auditory receptors became more heightened uh, and that's still to this day. Uh, so the clairvoyant part tended to fade, but um, I could hear uh, different things and I could even smell um, certain things that would give me feedback and uh, and information about what was going on and and helped me hone my intuition. I was very um, interested in different meditation practices as well. Um, So I did Vipassana meditation. I did transcendental. I didn't like transcendental. I I, I personally didn't. So I moved on from that. And then I was interested in hands-on healing modalities since I knew my father had that ability to lay his hands upon people and they would get relief from pain and other suffering. Uh, so I, I was curious about that. And that opened up um, some more knowledge of just other dimensional involvements and, and just what is energy and what is vibration and, and uh, sound therapy and um, different symbols and things that, that are really about moving and mobilizing energy and frequency. Uh, and then when I became a practitioner and after that, I was interested in things like Rife technology and other sorts of vibrational um, modalities, um, because I find them very swift and elegant as far as getting to root cause and unearthing a lot of stuck energy inside people, suppressed energy, um, and emotional energy as well. So it kind of all (laughs) opened up from from a lot of those experiences that really compile and, and it builds who you are, you know, over a period of time, over a lifetime. Yeah. So makes me wonder, do you I mean, what's your take on the idea that emotions or suppressed trauma leads to actual physical ailments? That's, that's a reality, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, German New Medicine uh, talks a lot about that, focuses on that. Um, I I think there's more to the story than just that, obviously, but um, there's a huge, huge aspect to the mind-body involvement and how powerful our emotions are and what that does inside of us and, um, and how it affects our physiology. I mean, I read Bruce Lipton's work um, when I was in, I think, my first year of naturopathic college, and uh, that made a lot of sense to me. I read Candace Pert's information as well. Um, Biology of Belief was a really important book for me, and just making that, you know, I'm mean, in holistic medicine. I wanted to understand the holism. I want to understand how it all fits together um, in the environment as well. 
And um, so that really, you know, was foundational for me in understanding that, yes, we hold all kinds of uh, debris um, inside of us. And it needs to be released because I know expression is healing. And everything that's geared uh, in the in the mainstream is about suppressing, successfully suppressing. That to them is cure, and it's it's one eighty the other way. Cure, real cure, is expression and resolve and completion. We know that from trauma. We know that you can uh, help someone uh, throw off the trauma that they're holding inside their body, specifically the muscles and the nerves, by uh, doing some like sometimes they would do like a virtual reality reenactment of a trauma for someone and complete the story for them in in the in the reality so that their mind could close the loop of the trauma and then they would release and be able to heal from from said trauma so we have that information and knowledge and we've studied animals that uh, will do a sort of a physical shaking off of a trauma uh, or shivering um, to to help push it out and express and and get the nervous system to reset properly. Um, and to the point where I was at uh, the Soul Shine Festival this last year, uh, 2021, and um, I taught uh, a, a workshop on tremoring or trauma release exercises. And so that's another modality or method that people can use to release things that they're holding or storing emotionally inside the body. Um, and really it's quite chemical Um, There's a lot of evidence that stress hormones and chemicals get held in the muscle belly uh, and they're constantly a a, a trigger inside and a drain on the adrenal glands uh, and also the the vagus nerve is very much involved with that process and um, there's a lot of ailments that come from vagus nerve dystonia (laughs) uh, that again you don't see discussed in you know mainstream uh, conventional medicine they they'll just name call it and um, and go off with their drug regime so you know there's so much that we can learn about the body through what happens from trauma and from from the emotional shock that can that can happen right well i can, okay so you know i want to take that and go into i feel a little bit like i'm watching one of your videos um <laughs> you know just listening about that i could just listen but um i want to connect it to the common cold, because that's, you know, I don't almost the whole agenda, like I haven't been talking about it that much on the podcast, because I'm almost, I almost feel like I'm giving it life if we all, you know, because collectively, like I heard it said recently, that this what's going on is probably more of a a revelation than a revolution. I know you can understand it all actually goes on inside. Um, You know, we give them power by playing into it. Um, So any, but it does, it does matter. You know, I've told people that I'm going to have a, a, cro- a concrete episode about vaccines and germ theory and, um, and all of that. So taking what we're talking about, um, well, I guess we'll circle back to emotions and health. So viruses and what is it that people think is going on versus what's actually happening? So I guess I'll, I'll take the position of somebody new to the topic what is the germ theory and why is it a lie? Mm. Yeah, it's a long con and it's yeah. hard for people to, when, when you have to fast awake, <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's not the way you want to do it. Um, James true. He's, he's applauds people at this time that are actually ripping the bandaid off so quickly on so many lies 
because yeah. it takes a really strong individual to be able to unravel quite quite a mess, uh, quite a tangled web <laughs> that they have woven right. for us in such a short amount of time. Because uh, for a lot of people, we've been awaken, awakening to all of these lies over decades or yeah. maybe our entire lifetime. And so uh, explaining it in a nutshell is not really... Yeah, no, you, you don't... Know, <laughs> I, know, I know what you mean, right? We don't have, I don't mean just, you know, get going on the whole thing, but, um, you know, maybe you could summarize a little bit more uh, just about what's would actually be going on. Like I just recently had, you know, what, what felt like the flu um, and, you know, through what I've listened to of yours, I guess it's something along the like unhealthy choices that compile and turn into symptoms rather than actually catching germs and getting sick. Am, am I on the right path there? Well, yeah. And, and yeah. how would you, how would you um, disempower someone? So say, say you were uh, a Rockefeller or a Rothschild or the Black Pope or the Jesuits or any of these groups that made a strong decision to take over and take control of humanity. Um, you would have to disempower them over a period of time. And how you would disempower people is to remove their own autonomy, you know, over themselves. So uh, make them reliant on uh, gas and vehicles and all kinds of systems that they that they provided. And that is uh, that includes the health system. Uh, and one way that they found they could manipulate people is through obviously fear um, and if you uh, scared someone into something, then you could manipulate masses and, and use it for power and control. So that's the baseline of, of any of these agendas, whether it be religion, whether it be where we live, uh, all of that. So if you don't understand the enemy, you're not you're going to be clueless to this whole, the whole story, including the germ theory fraud. Um, so that's why you have to go back and deep dive into history and not the history they rewrote, the proper right. history, which has been getting harder and harder to find because they rewrite the history and then they censor the information and anybody speaking the truth and they make sure they kill off the elders as well so they can't tell the stories going forward. They've done this before and they're doing it currently right now. So back when um, we can, it goes back further than this, but ultimately uh, it was understood that if you could lie to your enemy uh, and tell them that there's a dangerous um, contagion or plague happening, then they would uh, change the way they're behaving. So there was the, the French king and the, the war between France and England, for example. Uh, Dr. Stefan Lenka talks about this particular story where um, the French uh, king and Pasteur were having discussions about telling the, um, the troops, the, the English, that there were um, telling the French that when the English were coming to port to not let them because they were carrying a deadly virus. So they would starve out their enemies. So that was one of the earlier uses of a false boogeyman to manipulate people against your, your enemy, like a, a war measure. Uh, and then later, so moving forward, we had the, the Rockefeller cartel, Morgan, Chase, there were a bunch of um, Vanderbilts, but a bunch of big barons so the oil barons we call them the robber barons you can look up robber barons to find out a lot of the names of these families these very rich inbred families uh, and a lot of them are royalty as well goes into the royal family 
Um, and they were um, working toward um, trying to set up schools of medicine to push chemical medicine as the only one that would be able to be prescribed um, and licensed. So practitioners would be licensed. Anybody else was a charlatan. Uh, so they could make a heck of a lot of money. So they, they were making money in oil. Uh, Ford was involved to make money, you know, by getting rid of our free energy electrical uh, railway systems. Uh, so everyone had a car. So it was really an economic reset back then, just like they're doing an economic reset now. And the, so if you look back um, at that time, <laughs> there was um, a, a big lie that was created. And so I'm sort of, I'm a little bit jumping around and I talk about these stories a lot in, in my um, videos on yummy.doctor if you wanna like learn more about that time frame um, where they took over our medicine. But that's really what happened is a bunch of robber barons got together, similar to how they, they created the Fed, the Federal Reserve, you know, and uh, there's the Jekyll Island story to help you understand that these are legitimate actual conspiracies, meaning they conspired to do this behind closed doors in secret. And um, if you can tell someone that the, a germ, one germ causes one disease, then you can produce the cure. So you can say, oh, well, you have a uh, smallpox or polio or whatever. Well, we figured out the cure for that. And it's this, and you have, and uh, there's a lot of money to be made in that, of course. Um, they're called biologics, these injections. Um, and back when they began, when they started, uh, those injections were only maiming and hurting and killing. So um, all of the people that you think were heroes like Jenner, and, and, um, and Pasteur, they were actual frauds um, who were being paid to push these agendas to make basically magic shows and uh, public displays to manipulate the population to take and accept these um, dangerous biologics, inoculations and vaccinations as health. Um, we had the Anti-Vaccination League back then, you know, there were there were big <laughs> revolts against it because all they saw were diseases and damage from caused from the injections and, and including, you know, losing large amounts of cattle and, and uh, other uh, livestock because of this uh, in, in insane practice. Of course, when you have uh, power, money and clout behind those, uh, those ideas, they get pushed to the forefront and the people who are speaking the truth tend to be kind and tend to be, oh, don't want to rock the boat types or, you know, just, just put your head down and keep working sort of types. They're not egomaniacs or narcissists. So you have these um, mentally deranged individuals who have um, a bee in their bonnet. And that's what gets ahead, unfortunately, is the corruption. So that's really sort of the beginning of, of the story. And it's stuck, obviously, there was a 40-year debate between terrain and germ theory. So it wasn't like overnight. This, this happened over a long period of time. Um, and then they just, they just wipe out the other information as much as they can. But there were, there were half, at least half of the doctors saying, this is ridiculous. This is not how contagion works. This is not how the body works. Um, you guys are liars. You're, you're con men and, and, and frauds. 
Um, but it didn't seem to matter because the politics and the money was supporting the lie, not the truth. Um, and that's where we are today. So when, so what people have to understand is that it's your, within your power, what happens to your body. It has nothing to do with an outside situation or something that is invisible, that is, is just randomly coming along, like you're just healthy and sitting there and then something just floats along and gets inside me and kills you. That is a, a fairy tale um, that they have spun. And very well, they have spun with huge amounts of trillions and trillions of dollars going into the propaganda machine on this. Um, it's just not how it works. Um, all the contagion studies that we've looked at back in the days, even back in the Spanish flu, they could not create infection by taking mucus and putting it into a healthy subject from a so-called sick sub subject. Um, they were like, well, this isn't how it works because we should be able to prove infectivity if, that, if that's true. Um, the other methods of trying to purify and, and isolate um, these ideas of viruses never were fruitful as well. Um, they made up very fandangled filtration methods um, and very strange alteration and extractions to say that they found something in a solution, um, made it fancy names, uh, gave it titles, and um, then, of course, take your doctors and make specialists so that they're all not on the same page of discussion and discourse so they can't figure it out together. Um, and that's, that's what you get. Um, <laughs> and now it's gone forward as this huge trillion dollar beyond industry, which is a bunch of horseshit, um, because that's not how we get sick. So when you got a cold or when you got a flu, whatever they're calling it, that is a detox. So what happens is your body is overwhelmed by debris internally or from uh, you ingesting it or from a poison that's getting into you or onto you in some fashion. So if you've accumulated waste in the body, coupled by a nutritional deficiency of any sort, then your body cannot work as designed, which is constantly cleaning, uh, remaking cells, uh, getting rid of uh, debris, waste, and other exogenous and endogenous uh, you know, debris, things that doesn't need any longer because it's a living, you're a living being that's always metabolizing. Um, if that is stagnated in any sense, then you will get what's called symptoms. So, so one of the clever things they did, you know, in their evil genius is they flipped, they do everything in inversion. So they made the, the idea of a, of a symptom because you don't like it because you don't feel good when you have a symptom, then therefore it equals it's bad. And therefore, if the symptom is bad, then we have to at all costs stop the symptom. And if you stop the symptom, therefore you are cured. And that's where, where the road to suppression and the conventional medical system was born, was born out of um, the lie that if you stop a natural, normal, biological, me metabolic process that is trying to actually cleanse the body, you're curing the body. And they designed all kinds of drugs to stop those normal processes. And that's why the disease rate is as high as it is. And that's why our IQs are as low as they are. Uh, sperm counts as low as it is, um, and uh, we're just dull uh, in general and can't even remember <laughs> the day-to-day -day process, never mind what happened in our past, uh, as a measure of, of perfect, a perfect measure of control, ultimately. 
So um, we must be extremely powerful beings for them to have to work so hard at overwhelming us and directing us. Uh, so that's a testament to something special with us uh, and something wrong with them. Um, and also when you're expressing, you can um, express to a point where you have what's called a healing crisis. And if you do not um, have enough proper resources inside the body to overcome the, the natural elimination, then you can die. The body can die from that. So colds and flus can kill you, meaning that you have, can have complications from detoxification. Um, and so it's understandable that people would be afraid when they get sick, but that's all programming. So if we had, uh, hadn't had these evil you know, maniacs involved, then we would have had a really beautiful, we already did have a really beautiful elegant system. We had sound therapy to heal pretty much everything back. If you look at all the Antiquitech that we have and the, um, if you've looked at all the Tartaria stuff and that information, um, we already had beautiful cathedrals, which weren't anything to do with religion. It was actually um, a way of garnering free energy and also for healing purposes. So we could just use frequency to heal back then. Now it's gotten where we've had to use things like herbs and, 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 and uh, acupuncture needles and all kinds of different modalities that we have available to us to try to balance the body. But it actually comes down to real simple principles. And the simplicity is get the nutrition properly in the body um, eliminate the waste and assist the process. So whatever the symptoms are, help them complete themselves, help them finish what their job is rather than go the opposite direction, help it move forward and then resolve. Just like we were talking about with the trauma, you know, help the trauma release and come out and then be done. And then it's finished. It resets the same thing with the physical body. And so your cold and flu, when you get symptoms go, Oh, have I been not sleeping? Well, have I been drinking alcohol, if I've been uh, not eating right, you know, have I been stressed? Um, have I been emotionally shocked and upset? I mean, we see people getting cancers and other disease just from emotional shock, um, because they're in constant stress response, and then address that and say, okay, now what can I take or give myself that's going to help move those, uh, the, those wastes out successfully, uh, and you will you will heal every single time. You would never ever need a poisonous biological injection to to help you. Um, it's an absolute absurdity. It all only shows uh, um, ignorance um, of the body uh, and blindness to the options that we have available to to give the basic nourishment back. I mean, it's it's really really simple we know that the body runs on cofactors and vitamins and minerals and nutrients and if you don't have them the body dies uh it's really not difficult to understand yet when you go to the doctors and the hospitals are they giving iv vitamin c when somebody comes in with fake covid no they're not but that's what that would assist them would they give magnesium to help the liver process the waste so they don't need to go out the lung tissue? No, they won't support the liver. In fact, the opposite, they'll do extreme kidney and liver damage and add insult to injury to the blood and to the lungs <clears throat> and ensure that the patient usually dies um, with their protocols. So they're, again, it's an opposite approach to what needs to be done. 
And the more we can empower ourselves to that understanding that it's not caused by a virus, that the germ theory was pushed forward as a political agenda, not anything to do with science or health. Uh, and that at, when you beat down enough of the truth tellers and you're ruthless and narcissistic, then you get away with those con jobs. Uh, and if we can really figure that out uh, through this massive, massive Trojan horse hoax that has been pushed forward for another, yet another economic reset and control grid overlay, which is what this is, uh, then we have a chance to finally um, you know, put under this, this tyrannical totalitarianism that's been here all along. Um, otherwise, uh, it's going to be a very challenging time frame. Absolutely. Um, that was a great synopsis of what I'd originally asked. And just for the audience, the fact that you've been barred from um, practicing medicine in a mainstream sense just goes to show the, the corruption of the system and how far away we are from actual health. But, even in my own, even in my own holistic grouping, um, you, if you were to see right now, the naturopathic doctors are pushing the agenda. They're not nature doctors. It's what I saw in my first year of naturopathic college has come to pass. They destroyed it by making it more like the conventional system and making the egos of the naturopaths want drugs and want to be more like MDs. Um, and, and that's what's happened. I don't know hardly any ND that I see on my feed or in my groups that is not, there's like maybe 1% or 2% that's saying, hey, the germ theory is wrong. What about our, our nat nature doctor foundations, guys? Hey, you know, <laughs> why are you pushing vaccines when you're a natural <laughs> uh, practitioner? Um, they are all swept up in the illusion, just like most of the world right now. Right. And it's really kind of, it's tough to see because you think of them as intelligent people. I mean, somebody who can go through medical school and get a degree, um, being in, in this field of truth seeking, I'm big on the scientific method. Is there evidence that we can actually see that this is what occurs, but something like the germ theory, even as a kid, I didn't understand why I'd get sick, but, or somebody would get sick, but the whole house doesn't get sick. Like my other half did in this past week when I was eating like shit and came down with the flu, but it, it seems a theory falls if it, 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 well, it's just a theory. It's not a law. It's not germ law. It's a theory that's easily disproven by the fact that nurses and doctors don't just drop dead from being around these germs all day. It's crazy that it holds up. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of evidence to the fact um, one is conscious postulates, they don't hold true. So in the scientific method has to be done rigorously. And that's the irony of everything is they say, just trust the science as if it's some sort of dogmatic religion. Well, you don't trust science, you actually continue to question science. That's how you actually do good science. You always turn the science over and over and question it repeatedly. Um, so we have major glaring errors that the um, the brainwashed cult, as I call them, can be as in intellectual as you'd like. You can be intellectual inside a cult. You can have all of your um, uh, math figures and uh, physics figures and 
and uh, illusions that right. take up your brain energy, but it's all based on a false foundation. So you can be as intelligent as you want inside the lie. Um, because but, o- obedience is what counts inside of that rather than actual intelligence. Well, real a real um, uh, intelligent individual uses both sides of the brain, meaning they're both right and left brain. <clears throat> and they have a strong sense of intuition. Uh, so their gut is working properly. Most of these people uh, cut themselves off from their emotional senses. So everything's mm-hmm. brain. There's nothing else. So they can't figure it out. So they'll just go in logical arguments and circular arguments inside of their head and think they're being smart. But really, it's not true intelligence. It's actually just ego. So that's that's also how the med schools preen their people is via ego. I remember first year med school, they did it to us as well. Um, because in first year, you hang around a lot of also first year MDs because the programs are so similar. And I was aghast at what I saw with the preening and the fluffing and the, the ego um, patting on the back sort of behavior to make them um, tell them essentially that they're better than everybody else. They're more, they're more intelligent because they got into med school. And that's some of the stuff that's done in the first year to set them aside from everybody else. And it's, it's, it's snooty. It's not intelligence. It's they think they know. And it's, that's the worst place to be is close mind and, and think you already know just because you thought you saw something in a laboratory. Um, but when you break down things like conscious postulates, they don't hold true um, because you have to be able to properly isolate a material and then in, infect properly the uh, host and have that happen 100% of the time. And it has to present exactly the same disease um, a display has to come out of them. And it doesn't happen like that. So they actually have to change the postulates to fit the model, which right there is not science. That's scientism. Uh, so that's a huge problem. Uh, we have also a problem of manipulation of cellular material once removed from the body itself. So if you were to study the living organism and the living blood and what happens inside with these organisms, then what they would have found and what they would have understood is that we have cells inside that are pleomorphic, meaning that one germ can take the shape of another germ. So it changes from one to another, to another, to another, and then back to that again. So the germ theory completely falls apart when you understand in the living blood that the microorganisms that they're calling pathological or dangerous are actually pleomorphic and change shape depending on the terrain and what the job is of the microorganism to do in the body, which is to ingest and break down waste, just like we see in nature all over the place. If a tree falls, the fungus will come and will break down the tree and put it back into the soil and all the microorganisms and yeast and so forth will be involved. And it's the same in our own bodies. And they knew that, Bechamp knew that back then. There was, um, you know, Roy, uh, Royal Raymond Reif knew that back then. Um, there were Enderlein, Enderlein, a, germ, a lot of the German scientists uh, and doctors uh, were properly studying the living blood. And it, it, see, they had to actually adjust their microscopes to have a dual light um, uh, visualization using UV and incandescent light together in order to actually visualize these somatids or microzyma or pleomorphic cells uh, in the body. 
And uh, we're still actually using um, some pretty low-end tech <laughs> as far as microscopes are concerned with these compound microscopes, even the EM microscopes, they're not that fancy. Um, they involve you removing the material, squishing it, staining it, and altering it in order to see anything, and then interpretation, interpretation, and everybody's interpretation is different depending on their philosophies or their belief systems or other dogmas. So then you get messes and messes and, and actually volumes of wasted medical journals based on nonsense or artifacts that they're seeing that they have actually manufactured themselves by removing the living tissue out of the living blood and squishing it and altering it and putting in petri dishes and giving it drugs and doing all kinds of things and then saying that they found some sort of virus. It's, it's absolute hogwash. It's an embarrassment to mankind. It is not how, what's going on. And the fact that they continue to ignore that we have this lineage in our body, that we have somatids or microzyma, as Gaston Nason's very well described the 16 stages that are going on with these microorganisms in our own living blood that bleb off of the red blood cell, is truly, truly shocking to me that we we call ourselves advanced when we ignore it almost 100%. Um, so when we have... Uh, infection studies that you, they use gain of function research where they take poison and tissue and all kinds, just as, as just as bad as what Pasteur did for fake rabies in that poor dog in the public forum by injecting materials that have no right to be inside the brain of a dog. You don't take rabbit bits and then inject it into the brain of a dog, cause nervous system inflammation, which will of course make it foam at the mouth and have a seizure. Uh, so when they do this magic show, as I call it, they basically create a storyline and that's what they're selling as a disease, but they can't prove contagion in these studies. All they can do is try to make the animal sick enough to get symptoms and try to make the study repeated enough. So they get their serum of toxic gunk um, perfected enough, then they can say that they found a virus and that it causes this weird disease. And this is what they've sorted it out. But all they're doing is triggering a mechanism inside the body of detox because they're poisoning it and that's what happens. So you can trigger those mechanisms via all different sorts of ways. Um, and that's the, the magic show that they do in the lab to somehow verify that these things are real and exist. And it's a hoax and it's a joke and it's an embarrassment. There are no viruses whatsoever. They're made up. In fact, Dr. Stefan Lanka, finally, he said, you guys haven't done the control experiments. You have to actually do that for rigorous science. Where are your control experiments? They did no control experiments for COVID. So he did them. <laughs> and what he found is whether it was a so-called infected tissue or a healthy tissue, he could manufacture through their specific methods of how they take the tissue out of the body, cleanse it, put it in a Petri dish, add the kidney monkey cells or add the, the antibiotic residue and add the other drug residues and cortisols and other things into the Petri dish, he could make the, the PCR test find all of these viruses via their methods. He could find HIV, he could find SARS-1, SARS-2, he could find all of those inside the process by which they are doing it. So they are manufacturing the illusion of a virus via their methods. But if they were to look inside the living blood, 
they would see that there's a process going on of natural cleansing and elimination and that those microbes are absolutely 100% harmless. They do not infect anybody else. They're endemic to you and they're unique to you. And that this whole of uh, virology and immunology would crumble in a day because it's all lies. With all that being said, the jab comes into the picture seemingly just a, as a murder device, basically. I mean, I know they try to spin it as, are, when, when they try to spin the lie of the vaccine, are they actually trying to claim that it will eradicate the fake virus or just suppress the symptoms? What, what, what is the, the cattle? What are they trying to sell there with the vaccine? Well, it's this particular, um, which isn't even a vaccine, it's, it's actually an alter, a gene altering experiment. Um, so if we're assuming it's a vaccine, by their definition actually isn't because their, their story, okay? And this is, I even learned this in immunology. I remember when I was taking my immunology classes, I was like, this is, this is all we know. Like, this is it. The textbook was like this thick. I mean, it was all war style explanations. So it was all based on like war methods, like this is fighting that, and then this is going to kill that. And then this is the war inside of you. And I was like, this seems wrong all the way through my studies. It just, something didn't sit right with how they were spinning this, this immunology and how, how young and how nonsensical a lot of it was. And the, so the story see has to hold on the immunology the idea that we have an immune system and they made up that term so they're i'm still trying to find now that they've censored so much and they they've destroyed the internet i mean you can't search for these things anymore i've tried i remember going to the internet put my keywords i get what i'm looking for you can't anymore it's done it's over you can't search anymore that's all the search yeah they're yeah. all ruined. They've ruined the internet. And people haven't even noticed that they've actually destroyed our internet and our search abilities. So I had, and I probably have it on an old computer, but I, I looked up the information. Where did the term immune system really actually come from? And it was from a doctor at a conference who just happened to drop it when he was describing some of the aspects he was noticing with white blood cells in the lymphatic system. So we have different systems in the body that are responsible for these cleanse for the cleansing and the maintenance of the blood, which has to be kept pure at all costs. So everything's about the blood and making sure that it's the correct pH, that it has everything in it, because it is the roadway and the interface between all your cellular communication, that and of course the nervous system, right? So all of this has to be kept very tight. And so the this doctor drop name dropped it. And I think. They loved the idea that there was this other, this other system they could invent that now they could have a drug for, you know, just like when they rename polio into Guillain-Barre or myelitis or any of these other diseases. Polio, polio was just, uh, you know, a drug. Basically, it was a pesticide poisoning. There was no virus. There was no polio virus. That was a huge con job. So they, they poison people, call it a virus, make a biologic for it, and they, that's a good racket. So they kept doing it over and over again. But if they could find now a system that they could say they were boosting or they were, you know, the biologic did this thing, then now they could really spin in their marketing the sale of these 
drugs. And so that's, so back then, that's really where they, they took that phraseology and they started to use it. So the immunology and virology lie go hand in hand because we really don't have an immune system. You can't dissect the body and go, well, there it is. There's the immune system. You know, it's not like that at all, but that's their terminology. So they, they are saying that they are creating a memory in the body. So they're giving you like a small amount of a, of a virus to trigger a process in the body that will protect you from if you came across it again, then you won't get sick again, right? So because you'll be protected. That's the, the lie. And that's not how the body works, but, right. but that's their, their sales pitch, okay? But now with this one, it's not going so well because there it's, it's a DNA, RNA altering cocktail that they're trying to genetically engineer humanity and they're toying with humanity right now. They're using it. It, it, is, a, it is an experiment. They've said it. Uh, and in experiments, you have to have placebo groups and we know that. And they have to be different subsections of the test. So there's different kinds of vaccines for different rationales and reasons and things that they're doing. That's why there's different batches and numbers on the vaccine batches. So, you know, you know, probably about one third or one fourth of people are just getting placebos, which I was thinking about that today. I was speaking with my daughter when we were driving today and I said, don't you find it interesting that they're telling people get the shot because it will lessen your symptoms if you catch COVID, right? That's the storyline they're going with right now. So you can still catch it. You can still give it. You can still all that, but it's less. So it won't kill you probably kind of idea. So that, so now they've suddenly changed their tune with what vaccines are supposed to do, which they already started the booster story long ago because they say that the memory, if they forget, the body just forgets. So you need to boost it, boost it, boost it. So they, they keep changing their story to sell more drugs. So that's where the boost crap came into. So obviously uh, with this one, you're going to need a booster every three months. So what are they really up to that you would need a constant supply of whatever they're injecting, which I believe it has something to do with graphene oxide and 5G. Um, and the AI tech and all that stuff. Uh, but that's another conversation. So, but they, their story constantly changes. That should be red flag for anyone. You know, if you go to a, to a car salesman and he's like, oh yeah, this is the bad. If you get it, you won't get COVID. Remember at the beginning, they're like, you won't get it. If you get it, you won't get it at all. You'll be awesome. You'll be good. You'll get your freedoms back. It's great. And then the story changes. You go back the next day and they're like, yeah, we had this great car and the engine's awesome and it's so good and you should get it. And then you go back, oh yeah, I should tell you, you know, the engine kind of like it sometimes clicks, but that's okay. It just clicks. You. They're con men and people can't seem to see that story keeps changing and, but it's okay. It's okay that they just keep making shit up because that's what they're doing. So this particular biologic is different than how they've spun the vaccine thing in the past. Um, and then they, of course, uh, rename the disease and, and, and say that the vaccine worked and they're successful and yay, we don't have polio because of the vaccine and all that. Cause it's, it's the same con. They just know how to use the smoke screens to make the illusion. They have the propaganda and the media all behind them to, to keep it. And they buy their doctors and they have ghost their science and they can, they own it all. And people have a really hard time following the money and following the connections 
I don't know why, because it's even if you can't do searches properly anymore, you can still find that information. So the immune system doesn't exist as described. So what, but their story is that that's how it works and you won't get sick if you get it, you know, if you get exposed. So you might get sick if you get the vaccine because you're having like a mild infection, but don't worry because it'll be better than if you really, really got it. And then they do also say, if you get it, then you have immunity, right? You have a memory of it in your body. So you won't, you know, we have antibodies and that's another hope. So it opens up into one fake story after another. The antibody hoax is another big one. We, it again is not what is happening because even by their own dictates, they contradict themselves constantly because they'll say, well, you should get an antibody titer to see if you're protected. I've, I remember when I worked at, um, at KLAS, I worked in animal laboratory sciences. I was a technician. So I would help the, the, um, the scientists in their experiments and take care of the animals. And I did that for a couple of years. And I learned how scammy science it was right in the underbelly of that vivisection, um, you know, all those studies. And um, basically, they're taking, uh, you know, a material and matter, and they're trying to, you know, manipulate their outcomes. And I saw that this was all a big, absolute fraud. So when I was working there, they said, well, you should get an antibody titer for uh, what the heck was it now? Um, uh, I'll, I'll remember what disease they said I had to be protected for. But I had no, I, I had no antibodies or whatever it was. So, so, they're so basically, if they're trying to tell me if I have an antibody to something, I'm protected. That's the end of the story. But then if you're sick, you go in and they say, well, we should check you. We should check your antibodies to see if you're sick. So on the one hand, if you have antibodies, you're protected. But on the other hand, if you have antibodies, you're sick. So then they try to classify them as M or, you know, all different labels. And, oh, but if you're sick, it's this versus that. It's, it's mess making. It's, it's, a, it's, it's confounding what's really going on. It's actually quite simple. If your body contains materials that should not be in the body, then your lymph cells will produce not just lymph cells, other blood products, there's redundancy in the body to see what would be the best tagging method and what would be the best elimination method for that particular particle. Because, and what are the resources available to make enough of said product? And the goal of the body is to identify it, to make sure it knows whether it needs to keep it, like if it's self and needs to go in, say as nutrition, it needs to go inside the cell versus non-self or waste, meaning it's we're done with this. It needs to go to elimination routes and be removed from the body and shuttled appropriately so. And there's all of those different cellular um, mechanisms and aspects that will do that job. And the immune system, which is really just the lymphatic system, is a huge component of that. We know there's different white blood cells that will engulf and, and, and digest. And, and even your own endemic bacteria, it will get rid of when there's enough, it's done. We're, we're done doing that job now. We're going to get rid of it. 
Okay. So all of those antibody titers and all of those things, all they're telling you is how toxic you are at that point and how that system is actually tagging and removing certain wastes. And that's also why the PCR test, which isn't a test, it's a technique that should never have been used as a test, um, is, is what they're looking for, you know, and what they're grabbing out of people is their own waste nucleic acids. That's it. So if somebody is very, very toxic, so say they've been stressed and all of those things I mentioned, or say you have symptoms, you're not feeling so good, you know, you're starting to get sinusy, maybe a fever, maybe your chest feeling tight, maybe it's bowels, maybe you have a rash, any of the, any symptom where the body is trying to get rid of something. If you went in and you got tested to see if you had whatever, any one of these eliminations, you're going to have a subsection of those nucleic acids. All you have to do is amplify it enough times and you're going to say, oh, you're positive. We found it in you. You could find HIV in everybody if you wanted to. You could find SARS in everybody if you wanted to. You could find any of it. All you have to do is amplify it enough or get them in the right time when they're in a detox cycle and you will show them that they have the said thing. It's completely fraudulent. 100% fraudulent, should never, ever be a measure of whether you're healthy or not. If you're healthy, you don't get symptoms because you're up on your detox. If you get symptoms and you need to self-reflect and go, well, like you had said, oh, I wasn't eating well, you know, that time. I, I know what I did to my body. And most people know, if you ask them, I mean, as a practitioner, I have to interview tons and tons of people all the time. I always ask them what they think they did that got them the cancer or the heart disease or the diabetes or the, or the kidney problem or whatever. And they know exactly what it was. So we're not stupid, but they they make us feel stupid and small, you know, and this is a psychological attack on humanity. And it's, it's, I, I don't know why people love abuse so much, but I think we have to get radical with ourselves in self-love and self-care and, and take ourselves back <laughs> from them, you know, and this whole game, because the testing from the testing to the, the ideology, to the methods, uh, to the treatments are scientific and medical fraud from, from beginning to end. Wow. So I just wanted to shift gears to close out on some different stuff. Um, you, you know, you referenced a few times Tartaria and the, um, the old world, the way we used to do things more intelligent. Um, is that, to me, like I, I knew little bits and pieces growing up and being into truth, but it's more, it seems like a, a wave of knowledge just kind of hit the internet about Tartaria. Is, was it new to you or is that something that you've known over time, your, your understanding of the old world? Well, my, see, what's interesting is my delving into history, I kind of had to because um, I couldn't figure it out with the new information. So I wanted to go back. I'd always go back and go, what did Hadwin, Dr. Hadwin say, or what did Florence Nightingale, <laughs> what did all of these older practitioners, you know, what were they like, or how did they deal with infections and uh, so-called plagues and all of this stuff. And what, and what were they, you know, what, so I was always reading older world texts and, and 
um, even in, in language that's not like our current language. And so that, I guess, opened me into other topics of the older world, you know? And I knew that, first of all, if you have an entire medical complex that is based on lies and fraud, well, you better start questioning everything. So at that point, when you see how foundational the lie is, you now start to question literally everything. Everything you've been sold at school, everything you think you know gets thrown away. So I did that process. I literally threw every belief that I thought I had into the garbage can and I started fresh based on they're liars. Okay. That foundation, I know they're fundamental narcissistic liars. Okay. They're pathological. So if they're lying to us, there has to be a really good reason why. Um, and I have to really critically think and use my intuitive skills, you know, to start to delve. Uh, so I started to look at things like, uh, not just halls of science themselves, but uh, certain philosophies, you know, Marx and all of these sorts of belief systems and how demented the, and the Frankfurt School, you know, all of those really demented thinkers that started to infiltrate our, our knowledge, our, our universities, essentially. Uh, so the philosophies started to get really super warped. And I think that was a big portion of why we got so far off track. Um, where did we go with the belief in God and um, and where where did the, the history, you know, really take us? And, and I remember watching way, way back this documentary on giants. And I was like, what's with that? What's with this? I know we've seen giants. We've seen like really big people. Okay, let's just say we'll call them just really, really weirdly warped large people before, you know, Guinness Book of World Record even has that stuff. You're like, that's weird, don't you think? Like, wow, that's 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 odd. I wonder how prevalent that was, you know? And so that's one avenue I started to look down. Um, and I also had some very strange mystical experiences when I was in Sedona with little people, with little creatures and little things. And so I was like, what are these? What is this? Where the hell are we? You know, what? So then you have to start questioning cosmology. Um, I was always an avid study of astrology. I found the study of astrology absolutely incredible it really helped me in my medical knowledge to understand that you know there's overlays to our personality that can impact our physiology um actually my first the first book i wanted to write was about astrology and physiology and how to diagnose based on astrology i was i was really going down that path when i was in like first year at naturopathic college i thought that was brilliant i always asked the astrology of my my patients because i knew that whatever the sun sign was, they would have a weakness in the certain body part that was associated. So I'd always bolster those body parts. Um, and, and I had lots of success using that, those methods. So uh, it's kind of like you're using your knowledge and your guide, your internal guidance system to find those pieces. So I would look at like cathedrals, or I would, I would travel and I would see these buildings and you see them everywhere. You see the same bill. It's not some sort of Roman empire or whatever they lie to you about. They all had the same types of building styles and they were very ornate and beautiful and all symmetrical. 
And um, I was also very interested in ancient Egypt and, and how they lived and the things that they built. And how could they possibly have been so sophisticated and built these things? We couldn't have come from barbarism or some sort of, you know, uh, soup and, and it became an amoeba and then, you know, came out of the ocean and then grew legs. That's, the evolution thing fell apart for me when I studied it. Uh, the whole dinosaur story fell apart when I studied it. Nothing made sense anymore at that point. And that's when you really start to wake up, I, I think. And, and you have to find answers. So that went into, so only the past couple of years, not even really fully, like maybe a year and a half have I been like watching everything and get my hands on, on, you know, the ancient world and Tartaria specifically, like how they had free energy, you know, those buildings and how they were constructed. What is this mud flood scenario? Why are half these buildings buried in mud? You know, I don't have all the answers to that this is a curiosity that I'm interested in, you know, right now. So that's what happens when you wake up. <laughs> you now have to question absolutely everything that you've been told. And it's not something I envy for anybody because it's quite a bit of work and no one can really tell you, you know, no one can just sit you down and walk you through it. It's a process that you have to put yourself through uh, in an open-minded and calm and loving way. Um, and you'll get there eventually. I think it's there for everybody to find in the way in the path that they need to go um but that's of interest to me currently uh the giants and and the, the tartaria and our all our free energy tech and um and then really trying to understand the players involved like even tesla was a player even tesla was a mason he was one of them um all of the heroes they presented to us are frauds and so you have to question yeah, uh, that as well. So it, it's 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 meaningful work, but it is it is work. It is. I I can attest to that too. And um, yeah, like you said, the the players. I think a lot of you know it's speculation, but a lot of them are probably made up. Um, you know, just a part of the story, his story, and false idols is a huge problem that we deal with. What you were describing earlier with the the masses and the scamdemic it's um they're the religious people to buy into this story without any practical evidence and um and that's and that's we end up in situations like this but you know i think i don't I'm not trying to fear monger or be negative with it because like i said earlier i think it, there is a revelation happening as well and we have conversations like this and that that adds to that energy um and i just wanted to ask as well talking about those, you, you know, you said in your travels, you encounter these little people or, and we've seen giants and uh, cryptids in, in your childhood that you, that you spoke about. And my understanding is that, you know, a lot of people hear geocentricity or flat earth, and we think of a, a pancake and the, uh, the vacuum of space, it's a different conversation, but I, I know this place to just be a realm a realm, just like what's inside of my, my mind and my, my inner being is out here as well. And, um, it's, it's level ground, you know, there's no, we're not on something spherical. It is as it seems. So I, I think part of that lie as well is that land is being hidden from us past Antarctica, probably in our puddle as well. 
and cryptids. And so there are different things in different species that, um, that probably live amongst us and on this different land. So I was just wondering if, are, do you concur? Do you, what, what do you know this, this place to be? Yeah, well, one of the, the parts of, of my studies um, in the geocentricity, obviously, but, but also with the, um, the moon map being quite helpful, um, that the, the moon, the plasma moon as a original sh- snapshot of, uh, you know, in, in, in its inversion of all of the land masses. So we, we do have a perfect map and it is the moon the map of all the land masses. And um, I really got interested in that. And that makes sense when we know the Mayan understanding of time. Uh, and also, so a lot of the ancients, they, they had their timepieces correct. And that the, the oscillations move through epochs uh, through the larger time scale. So we're, everything that we're seeing is basically a big clock. Uh, and then it makes sense that on as it's moving through its progression, on the one hand, it's freezing. So there's the, the sun comes with that progression. So those areas would freeze and then the new areas would thaw. So we're always going to have massive freezing periods and thawing periods on the other side as we move through the land masses. So we will uncover new land masses as we continue to move and through the, the, the uh, processions that come with all of the constant, I think it's 26,000 years for each procession, right? So I find that definitely affirming that there's a lot more land than uh, has been shown. And the moon map proves that. If you, if you work the moon map properly, all the land is available and present to, to be seen. And so we will have things thaw <laughs> that I if the if see if the enemy gets to the areas of thawing first they will just bury it or destroy it right this is the problem how are we going to wake up out of this you know if they just keep resetting us every time we go through this this uh upheaval of because I think there are nodes where we wake up I think there are sensitive time periods where we're because of free will or because of grace of God or whatever other vibrational inwritings, there are opportunities for the masses to get out from under the thumb of the slavery and the tyranny. And so I think we're in that now. And I think they know that. So they make sure they put the pressure on at these points of awakening to control the awakening. That's why you'll see people say, oh, well, this is not just, you know, the great reset. This is a great awakening. But it's the Great Reset because it's the Great Awakening, <laughs> because they need to try to control it in some way. So I, 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 I do feel that perhaps there are other species or whatever you want to call them that uh, would be available in other land masses and so forth. As you said, it's all speculation. It's fascinating. Um, and if you're where we are in our knowledge, you're there. You, like anyone that I know that's as awake as us, this is, the, this is what we're learning now. This is what we're focused on. We're focused on um, vibrational awakening and, and protection of the self and, and tuning ourselves and on finding our um, ascension partner, if you want to call it, whatever, you know, twin flames or ascension partners or perfect mirrors or whatever you want to 
because I'm with my perfect mirror. So there's, so I've cleared my karmic duty now. So I'm in this. Okay. I, I am too. So that's, that's good to know. Yeah. I think that's hap. I think that yeah. happens now for a lot of us uh, where we've done all that work. We've cleared ourselves. We've worked on the ego to the point where, you know, it's never going to be perfect. You can always fall off your throne. Right. But, right. but you're, <laughs> but you're yeah. perfect, but that's why you attract the perfect mirror partner because if, they rock if they see you rock off their your throne they're gonna remind you and you're gonna get back on so you constantly bolster each other so you don't sink again back down um and also there's bliss and you're and you're manifesting now you're now you're in a whole new place because now with your with your perfect mirror you can manifest with synergy because there's two of you doing your manifestation so there's that as well um so i find that fascinating um but that's, I mean, that's opens up to where I'd love us to get to. I'd love us to get over this absolute bullshit, you know, and get here. So we're really, we're having conferences and discussions about this stuff. You right. know, and, uh, that's what I, that's what I put my, my forward thinking on, because I know from um, some of the stuff I've also been interested in is the Mandela effect. And what they're doing with CERN and how they're trying to affect our realities, right? And inject our realities and the differences in timelines and timeline hopping and that sort of stuff. And that, you know, you can quantum leap by your thoughts and keeping your thoughts clear and pure. This is why it's a war for the mind and a war for the soul, right? There's nothing to do with a virus. This is they're trying to get your menta, your mind, because if they have their mind, your mind, they'll get your soul. That's why you can't give it to them no matter what. So you have to work. We have to work on the clarity of the mind as much as we possibly can. We have to. It starts inside. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when we can work on that and, and then work our manifestation power, as we've been told, we've been told we are of God, which means we are creators as well. We are allowed to do conscious creation appropriately right? But not for selfish reasons. So that's why you have to transcend the ego before you, I think you get those abilities. You know, you're out of childhood and you're into spiritual adulthood, and then you're allowed to play in the new nursery <laughs> with the new toys, you know? So I feel like a lot of us are just kind of dipping our toes in a lot of this stuff now. And and if if, you know, that's why I want this COVID. I just want it to be over so I could just work fully on that and things I love to create because you know I have so many inventions that come into my mind all the time with all kinds of beautiful holistic remedies and, and methods and things and writings and books and I just want to do that but they've got us tied up in the nonsense and the repeater and the you know controlled up and all this all of these people who keep pull, trying to pull us back into the drama and the fear porn and the, um, and the parade. <laughs> you right. Know? It's like when you, it's, you know, I'm not out of the, the work matrix financially, but it seems like for people who do get out and you start your own practice, they, there's so much controlled off that it's like they create a day job for you. Because yeah. like you're saying, we can't ascend with these conversations because we have to, help our friends and family with the, with the COVID scare. Um, and I had, I had a thought, Amanda, you were saying 
talking about the sky clock and um, melting and frozen periods. And I think you were describing the that our sky clock, uh, some sort of shift where it moves away and then our, our puddle, if you will, becomes frozen. So, you know, we also spoke about the mud flood. I was thinking maybe if, if some sort of heat source, a sun comes back, that could be the catalyst for the mud. It comes back and warms it. And then everything is muddy after it thaws out. Yeah, there, we're still speculating, but that's right. a plausible, that like if you were doing what we call the DDX or the differential diagnosis, that's on the list, right? So that's right. on your your hypothesis list that you, if you're doing due diligence in science, then you put all possibilities on your list and then you go through them and go, mm, okay, that one comes off and that one's still there. And, you know, we're working on this one now. That's proper science. That's proper um, critical thinking. So that would definitely be on the list as, as, as why we're seeing it the way we are. Um, right. But my hunch, I guess, or my intuition, my feeling is that we fell. There was an event. There was a, there, there was a mistake. And I remember having dreams about a mistake, a mistake that I made in the dream. So in the dream, I am um, a keeper. I'm a, I'm a crystal sort of worker keeper. So I'm responsible. Uh, and this was a dream I used to have like on repeat. And what I did is I would um, use crystals to heal people and also to fashion other tools with. And I use them as like surgical tools. I use them as crafting tools and they were certain types of crystals, okay? And we also had a, a grid, the way we live, we had like this, you know, the star forts and, and these sorts of things. But we also had a central hub that kept everything in the ether um, uh, from, from blowing a fuse, so to speak. And it was, a, it was like a Merkaba. Basically in my dream, it was a Merkaba. I don't know if it was, it was, that's true. It could have been just symbolic, but so there was a huge Merkaba structure that was rotating and I was responsible for keeping it maintained and protected. That was my role, my job. And somehow some event happened that threw off the oscillation of the Merkaba, which flung it off and it was, you needed water with all of these tech, you always needed water to cleanse electricity. So it was near an ocean and it got swept into the ocean and sunk. And this, my dream, when I came out of the dream, I always thought I'm responsible for the fall of Atlantis. That's how I always would say it. I'm like, it was my fault. That's why I'm back here. I did it. And I, and I had this like guilt. And, Again, I don't, I don't feel that's 100% like what happened. I'm sure it's like a mass memory or like, you know, a, I'm just the protagonist in the dream or whatever, right? Um, but it always stayed with me, that dream. And part of it, when I was watching a lot of the Tartaria stuff and the Uwaranon stuff and all of this material, something that stuck with me is I... Can you imagine you have now the ether, which of course Einstein, the fraud, took the ether out of the equation on purpose because you have to keep humanity in the dark about how everything works. So if you have ether, you know, what's ether? Nobody knows shit, right? So now imagine you have ether and you're constantly using the ether electrically to communicate across the entire realm. So everybody's communicating. And we probably were telepathic, I'm imagining, because we have piezoelectric nodes in our pineal gland, which is basically like a cell phone. 
So if we had cell phones in our heads and communicating with each other, that has to have an ether aspect because ether is an instantaneous spinning of one to the other. So imagine now you got big, everybody's on this grid network. What would happen? What, what could happen that would create a flashpoint, an, an event, a flashpoint event where everything suddenly collapsed at that point, right? What if we set fire accidentally to the ether, right? What if we ignited the ether? So every time I see that, that's what comes into my head. We are mud flood or our fall or the, the, the event that we're kind of alluding to is something to how we were using the mercury and the free energy tech and all this stuff. And there was a moment, a flashpoint where we, we over electrified or we, we blew the grid and we set fire to the ether and it melted stone and rock and, and everything. So that's, that's just my gut feeling inside. That's it. I'm not, I don't have any other verification other than my dream states and what I would think from a scientific perspective of just understanding a little bit of ether from studying Ken Wheeler and, you know, these types and Russell and, and that's that information that you could technically, and also rife. I mean, I have a rife machine. The rife machine works on ether. So now you've got all of this. What at what point is the ether saturated, or at what point you know? It just, you... I I can I certainly follow right, and that makes especially when you see the melting and imagining the power that that would that an event like that would have. I just I my thought would be so if the ether melted and it combusted. Did, would it have regenerated itself instantaneously? Because I know through my knowledge that we exist within the ether. So if it was, if it vanished, did it reappear? Hmm. Or did it, did it not vanish at all? It just, it just overloaded. Like a flash, like you said. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Like maybe it was just a plasma flash. Right. right. And it was so just so hot. You had an instantaneous event because what could melt? I mean, when I look at those melted buildings, you know, in the rocks and stuff, what the heck could do that? That had to be very powerful to do that. That's not just, you know, the mud melting thing. There's more to it. There's these structures that are look like glue when you know they weren't. They were doors and windows and stuff. Right. And that's rock. That's, you know, so that's my my working theory, I guess, on, on what possibly happened back then was it, but then the question begs the question, was it an accident or was it by design? Was it on purpose that we don't know? Right. Right. Cause what happens now? Like, why are these entities here? That, that right. Be- I, I, I come back to that question. I come back to that question myself. Um, you know, why, right, why does that exist? But that's, you know, the, the duality of, of this reality, we wouldn't know. I mean, at least it's what I tell myself, I guess we wouldn't know what joy is if we didn't have a point of reference of negativity. And, um, you know, I, I just I keep when that that dream that you were describing where it falls, 
or the clock or the, the it falls off into the water you know you're saying that 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 would be symbolic of the the combustion of the ether right it could be or or that was like legitimately there was a structure that failed and the failing structure was the the very thing because in the dream it was a purification an electrical purification it kept everything clean so so now your cleaner goes and what if that built now the ether built up with frenetic energy and boom you have your, your right your plasma ignition and your yeah it, it brings my mind to you know more morality itself like what you're saying it keeps keeps things clean and the the society that we live in you know it's uh, i'm sure you're familiar with the um the the karmic laws you know they mm-hmm. get us they you know they don't do we do these these things that make we are society so the things that we do if it looks ugly it's because our morality isn't there so that seems mm-hmm. like the purification falls into the water and that could be the combustion and we um and we live in a, a more or less or a, a lower vibration of existence. Well, and then there's the whole discussion in Hinduism of the yugas, uh, that there are different epochs naturally, and it's just the way it is. You you can't have perfection forever. You wouldn't learn your lessons, and you're here to learn. So what? So it was good when we had it, and we had a good old time, you know. And then like that, what was that movie? That, uh, did you watch uh, Children's End? it wasn't really it was like a three-part series children's end where the it's time for the earth to die like it's naturally the time's up and the children are awakening and getting new gifts so they send you know this space all fake space stuff but whatever spaceship comes and the the beings that kind of look like the devil but the devil got you know just written into the vernacular because they're the agents that come when it's time for the the earth to die or the the planet to die or whatever. And they take the children for their their next level up into a different dimensional reality. And that, but the but they bring peace and bliss and end war and all the stuff so that the adults can live out their lives and and have abundance and nobody's starving and nobody dies and everything, everything's perfect, right? And then boom, the whole everything explodes. So it's an interesting analogy that that film, you know, and what, (laughs) first of all, what they want us to believe, because that's all programming. But I found it interesting in the idea and the epochs where we have the Kali Yuga time, apparently in Hinduism, we're in Kali Yuga, where Kali is the destroyer and destroys all the wickedness and comes and takes out all of the immoral deeds and and but it all has to be seen first so so all the reveal in the revelation it's all now so you have to see the lie you have to see the shadow you have to you have to witness the evil how do you like i've said this many times how do you throw out garbage right you can't just wish garbage away you have to actually pick it up and put it in the bin right you have to actually physically involve yourself with it you have to touch it you have to materialize it and so we're materializing just everything that's been hidden away so that we can throw it away so that we can be, be done with it and be dealt with it and acknowledge it or learn from it in this duality and move on to the next layers of what we're here to learn. Because you're not going to learn the same thing over and over and over and over. Just not just 
It's just not what this place is. You know, once you learn the lesson, you move on, the lessons change. So as a mass, as a, as a mankind, you know, being, whatever we are, it's time. We're like moving on. Okay, we're done. We're done with this stuff now. We're going to try to finish up some of these lessons and those who don't get it, they're going to die and they go off, you know, and we're going to reveal all your shadow and all your crap that you've just, you've been having a good hedonistic time for a while. Goings were good. And now you're going to have a shit time. Many people are going to die and we're moving on to the next, the next growth period, you know, so could very much be, that's exactly what we're seeing. And so if that's the case, then we just have to hold fast and ground ourselves. And that's why we have our spiritual tools. I mean, and I mean, I dumped the idea of religions long ago. That's just dogma. That's a control. They used religion to control humankind, not to improve it, even though it has the underpinnings of morality, right? Which is fine, which some people need that structure. They need that discipline or they'd be horrible people, (laughs) I understand they cling to it, but not when you're spiritually mature. You know, when you're a spiritual adult, you don't need to cling to dogma. You have your own structures of discipline, self-discipline, because you know, you know that we are created and you know what love that we are love and that we're eternal. So you want to do good. It becomes part of who you are. It's not because not because the sermon told you to be good and not kill people. It's because you know fundamentally inside yourself that that's wrong and you know right from wrong. So you don't need somebody else to tell you what's right from wrong. You have, you've designed your internal barometer system appropriately now. So you naturally would graduate, you know, as, as you learn that. So, but some people are still in dogma and they're still there you know, and that's where they are. And I've, I've said this as an analogy, just because you got in the, you're going from Toronto to Montreal, just because you got in the car early to go to Montreal, <laughs> doesn't mean you're, you know, just somebody's like miles behind you, doesn't mean they're not going to Montreal, they're just miles behind you. So those people who are stuck in dogma, there's nothing wrong with them. They're just where you were maybe lifetimes ago, you know, that's it. And they'll get there. Everyone's supposed to get there. I fully feel that. I feel that everybody's supposed to graduate. Everyone will be given the right circumstances in which to figure it out <laughs> at right. some point. That that's true. Everybody did manifest here for a reason. So we we are we do come from the same the same source, the same light um, pool of consciousness, if you will. But um, yeah, you know, people have you have to have that realization though of dogma that you're not you don't need another you are a person, a being, and there's not, you don't have to um, go, go to another, another being for answers because they're inside. They were always inside you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, I scheduled for a uh, five 30 to seven. So I guess um, we can wrap there. Want to give people an idea of where they can check out your stuff. Well, due to shadow banning, I have diversified my portfolio <laughs> in lots of different avenues. Um, Ultimately, my main three websites are yum, Y-U-M, naturals, which is plural, dot store. Uh, That's the products that I create and all of my uh, supplement regime things that support your health. 
Uh, and then there's yummy.doctor, D-O-C-T-O-R, that's the domain, my videos, my blogs, and soon the membership, the courses, um, and all the protocols will be there. So I suggest people sign up for the newsletter and also register on the site so they'll get notifications when those things are, are getting going. And then my book is healingwithdmso.com. If you just want to look at what's inside the book, what it's about, and learn a little bit about DMSO, it's also available on my Yum Natural site as well. If you want to get other things, the book's there. And then I'm on Telegram as Healthy Dose of Truth. And also my name, Amanda Vollmer, uh, or Yum Natural. Sometimes you can find it that way. Sometimes you can't. It depends on the day. <laughs> Uh, I still am, you know, hanging on to threads of Instagram. I'm st I still have a Facebook account, still on Twitter account, more so because I feel like at this point, we, in we still need to infiltrate the enemy. But at some point, we will let that go and we'll move on. Um, I'm on minds.com. Um, there's all kinds of ones I've joined that I don't really engage with too much. But, uh, you know, you can find me if you look for me. So, um, so there you go. And, and thank you. Thank you so much for, uh, for this great conversation. Definitely right on. Okay. Um, I'll let you go. Thank you as well. Thanks, Colby. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye.